0: If I saw John Hamm in the audience tonight, <laughs> I would say, All of the rest of you can leave,
1: <laughs>
0: including Kima, my co host. <laughs> it would just be me and John Hamm in the Nuffield, but I would make him stay in his seat, and I would stay up here, and I would perform a whole show for him. <laughs> and only then could he approach. And then I would allow him to take me for dinner. At one of Southampton's finest restaurants. (laughs) What is Southampton's finest restaurant, just to be clear? What was that? Seven Bone. Seven Bone? Do we agree? Seven Uh, Bone. Is that really Southampton's finest restaurant? No. No. Are you sending me to a kebab shop with John Hamm? (laughs) That is not fair.
2: This is my big
0: shot, guys.
2: I'm a feminist, but... I've spent way too much, like, of my life concerned with my waist-to-hip ratio. Like, it's really important to me. Like, I'm, like, looking in the mirror from age 15, like, this is a solid part of my self-worth. Looking amazing. I'm glad we don't have food. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs it? Food gets in the way of my silhouette.
0: Uh, I'm a feminist, but... If Justin Trudeau wanted me to call it equalism instead of feminism, I'd do it, but just in front of him.
2: This <laughs> is a very convincing face.
0: Yeah. Quite nice. I mean, I guess if he listens to the show, and if you do, yeah. Justin, welcome. Um, of if course he, he wanted me to call it the guilty equalist, that would be a challenge. Yeah. But I'd send him a special copy each week. <laughs> Where just the word feminist was bleeped out with equalist.
2: I'm so, like, I'm a feminist, but uh, I'm queer. And sometimes when I'm uh, hanging out with, like, guys, I find myself using misogynistic language. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know I hung out with that girl. (laughs) We did it. (laughs) And she was so hot. (laughs) Yeah, bro. (laughs) I'm just like, why am I overcompensating? So sad. But then I have to like police the bros. Because they'll be like, oh, look at that. I'm like, whoa, too far. Right. Scale it back. Do they listen to you? Occasionally, yeah, to get the serious face. Like they'll be like, uh huh, oh, we don't. And like, no, we don't. (laughs) Lay down the law. (laughs) Pass me a beer so I can lay down the law.
0: That's kind of excellent. I'm happy that you are in the space that you're in. You know. Doing that work. You're like an undercover cop, though, then, yeah. right? You're Behind like a pretending... Line. You're the Donnie Brasco of Woke. Who's
2: Donnie Brasco? Is that, <laughs> is that something from before 1994? I
0: No. Because I don't it's know it if it it's is... It's not. What year were you born? 94. Right. <laughs> I'm a feminist, hmm. but my favourite non-sweary expletive to express delight is dude! And my second favourite is man!
2: <laughs> you know, bro...
0: Like,
2: mm. yeah, dude, I get it, I feel that. I really
0: like it, it's like, it feels very satisfying. Like, you know, instead of going, fuck, yeah, it's like, dude, yeah. like, you know, someone does, a woman does something great for feminism, like Michelle Obama's on stage, dude. and she's going, when they go low, you go high, I want to be shouting at the television, dude! Bro! Matt, bro! I don't, I've never said bro, but I'm gonna add it in. <laughs> <laughs> bruh. bruh! Is that what they say, bruh? Bruh. Bruh, oh, sorry, I'm getting right, that wrong. Bro, yeah,
1: I it's can't broseph, pull off a right. I can't.
0: I'm never going to be able to pull off brosive.
2: I'm a feminist, but hashtag not all women. Uh, some women suck. Some women <laughs> suck. And I'm not saying they deserve uh, sexism, but uh, <laughs> racists, you know, homophobes, Donald Trump voters. I'm not saying they deserve sexism, but do they deserve my sisterhood?
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: I say no. I pick no. No. If that was implied. It felt like a rhetorical yeah. question. Yeah. We filled in the answer. But I just wanted to make sure, sure that's a grey area. Yeah, yeah.
0: Your irony brings all the boys to the yard. Line from the guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them have you had a guilty week or a feminist week up on?
2: rather guilty but that may just be because i always feel guilty about like i'm like am i doing enough am i a good version of me
0: yeah i do that mine is am i doing it right mm-hmm. and then i can't even get into am i doing enough because obviously the answer is always going to be no So I ask myself that as often as I weigh myself. Never. (laughs) I have scales in the house because Selinsky weighs himself sometimes. Mm. That's fine for him. He is a man and he has not been... Brainwashed. Let me step
2: on the scale every second. Every time I enter a bathroom, let me step on the scale. Yeah, he hasn't been brainwashed brainwashed to
0: think it means anything. So he just sometimes goes, oh, I've been exercising more or whatever. Like, he's interested in an academic way that has nothing to do with how he feels about himself. Okay. I just don't understand that. I often say that I think Tom is a black mirror app.
2: Yeah, like, why aren't the numbers directly tied to how you feel about yourself? Are you looking at them?
0: The numbers are not tied to his emotions. Yeah, that's weird. Right, he, he looks at the scale. The numbers don't make him feel any better or worse about himself Mostly, as a And it should be worse. It, pretty much whatever it is, it should make you yeah. feel worse about yeah. who you are as a person. But very occasionally, just so you feel that it can do that, that it should make you, you know. feel much better.
1: Yeah.
2: And then you
0: go, I'm looking for that high again. A little bit like mm-hmm, people in Vegas mm-hmm. playing the slots. But it's just you and your toilet. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's a lot right.
2: Just I just do a mirror thing and I'm like, And then when I really know is, I'm like, how do these pants feel? I don't like actual denim because it's not stretchy enough for my life because at my heavier times, I need that stretch. And that's kind of, jeans are my scale.
0: Uh, Jeans are my scale. So you don't wear jeans so as not to be triggered by Yeah, I just don't want to
2: feel, I'm like, why are you resisting?
0: Why are you pushing back? Denim is, denim is from the patriarchy. I Straight think we've established up. that. Denim is the patriarchy's Le- fabric. Levi? <laughs> Levi, whoever you are, you're mm-hmm. a man. We know that you are Levi Strauss. <laughs> or whoever you are. <laughs> Strauss. You and your 501s, mm, whatever. It sounds
2: problematic.
0: It sounds problematic. Mm. I believe Levi Strauss mm. is a problematic I'm individual. I'm not here for it either. <laughs> I won't do it. I'm not interested. I can't rock a jean because I enjoy fashion. I do enjoy speaking in the singular. Wow. Yeah, I love it. A jean. A jean, yeah. Hmm. That's how fashion people talk. My favourite ever was once Trini and Susanna. If you're young, you don't know who they are, but they were (laughs) in the noughties. They were on television. They were two women that would basically, they were bossy white women who would go around. Nice. My favourite kind. Uh, there were bossy women who would go to your home because your friends had told on you and mm. said that you were not you didn't dress well enough, and then Trinity Susanna would jump out of a bush like literally they'd jump out they'd jump out at you from a your you, clothes suck yeah. <laughs> yes yes you yeah. you won't hear for it, but you can imagine it so they'd jump out from the bushes while you were on the school run or something you were just getting out of your car, and they'd be like they'd just be like you're not dressing right and your friends have said that and they think you, your clothes are bad and you just, you've got no self-esteem and we're going to fix that by shouting at you. And then they would repair women's self-esteem through yes. fierce and frank you discussions. you just really
2: crush it and break it down until it's almost nothing left and then you can build from that. Build it up again.
0: Actually, to give Trini and Susanna their G, which mm. no one wants me to, but I'm going to, they were very embrace of women's bodies. Mm. They were humorously dismissive of their wardrobes, but they never once criticized a body. And they would be so enthusiastic about women's mm. bodies. But like, to the extent mm. where they would grab breasts a lot. <laughs> these are great. Put them in a the top. Yeah, <laughs> you're mean, not flattering. You could have been one of them. It's yeah, really odd that yeah. you you're sure you haven't
2: seen this show. I just love fashion. That's why I can rock a jean. You can rock a jean. Yeah. They,
0: they would grab women's breasts and they would go, these breasts. And a woman would go, oh, I've been breastfeeding. I breastfed 12 children <laughs> and now my breasts are not what they were. And they'd be like, are you kidding? These are amazing. Or like a woman would have like a big... Ass and they would be Whoa. like, J-Lo would kill for this. <laughs> they would grab it, or a woman would be really super thin, and she'd be like, I'm really nervous about how thin I am. I'm too thin and I'm too tall, and I'm taller than my husband, and I'm thinner than anyone. And they'd be like, Are you serious? Like you could be Kate Mars. Like whatever you were, they would just be like so excited about Thanks, your body. Guys. But then they'd say, Therefore, you should not wear an A-line <laughs> skirt. But once I remember, I texted my friend because trini told somebody she should wear A smart jean and a fun trainer. Wow. Where where am I going
2: to find a fun trainer? Jeez.
0: A fun trainer. Not a personal trainer. It's a British word for sneakers. Yeah, the shoes. The shoes.
2: Like, oh, most
0: trainers are so lame and boring. Yeah. Like, oh, no. She found her a fun trainer and a smart jean. And I still, to this day, my friend and I say to each other... I I don't know what I'm going to wear to this thing. And it's like a big party and it's big. <laughs> how about a smart jean and a fun trainer? I'm here for just it. one. Just one side of the body covered. The other, nothing <laughs> there. I'm so sure mad. Just naked on one side. A it down gene. the left. A single jean. Because
2: that's We'd, what that is. That's one jean and that's the other jean. You're putting together as jeans. That's right. It's a that's, pair of yeah. jeans.
0: But the, you know that what we don't do is a pair of bras.
1: Hmm. It's
2: just a bra. That sounds
0: sexist.
2: I'm just going to call it. I'm calling him. I get to do that. I do it often. I just be like, nope, seems a little racist. Just boop, don't like him. And you know what? The fact that one bra isn't referred to in plural, even though it's clearly holding two memories, is sexist.
0: Do you know what? I like your confidence. Yeah. It came it's the confidence of opinion. Yeah. I find it very appealing.
2: I like to walk through the world. I'm trying to get it more heightened. I'm currently working with the confidence of, like, a mediocre white man. I want to get to, like, like, a really wealthy white man. Oh,
0: you want the confidence of a rich white man? Yeah, old like money. An, an Alec Baldwin?
2: Um, what, is, what is up with the Baldwins? Like a Rockefeller, that's what I'm thinking.
0: A, you want the confidence of a Rockefeller? I yeah, or Bulls like want... a Kennedy, I don't know.
2: Are they just oh. politically wealthy? I don't know.
0: I feel like they're wealthy-wealthy. They're all the wealthy. Good, wealthies. then yeah. I want
2: that. Okay.
0: I will not rest until Kima Bob is Kima Kennedy. Thank you. Kima Bob Kennedy. Ooh,
2: and like I change my middle name to something else with a K and have fun initials.
0: <laughs> so today we're talking about ego, our big throbbing egos. What's your feeling on ego?
2: It's weird because I think it like, it's confused me for a while. And I worry about it because people always talk about egos in size. Mm-hmm. And like, that your ego's too big... They never really talk about it being too small, but they're always like, oh, you've got a big head or you've got a big ego. But it turns out it's not about size, it's about like health and like whether your ego is healthy for you and others or not. Mm. Am I okay? What is my ego in good shape? Do I need to exercise and give kale to my ego? I, I see know. what you
0: mean. Here's the thing I've observed in life, mm. that if somebody has a big ego and high self-esteem, Mm. that's fine. I think what the ego is, is the thing that propels us inside of us that says, the world needs me in it. The world would be better if I changed stuff. And we need a certain amount of that to get out of bed. And certainly we need it for feminism, because feminism is a movement that's all about change. Without ego, we cannot have feminism. I'm going to put that out there. If you have big ego and high self-esteem, that's not a problem, because the ego is what drives you forward. And the self-esteem allows you to prop yourself up and say, doesn't really matter what everyone else thinks, I know I'm doing a great job. I don't need to be constantly validated. So that's someone like Obama. Big ego, definitely should be me in the White House, but high self-esteem, I don't need to keep tweeting every time someone says something about me. <laughs>
1: uh, uh,
0: uh, uh, big ego, low self-esteem, that's more a problematic because oh, uh, everyone should listen to me. Oh, no. <laughs> and no, and they cry. That's like Henry VIII. (laughs) A lot of that was fertility issues because he kept killing his wives or divorcing them because they couldn't produce an heir. And I think we could see what the uh, common denominator was there. And nobody should have low self-esteem because of fertility issues. But back then, men did. Men, fortunately, today have evolved past being in leadership roles where they are all about themselves but get really, like, petulant when Kim Jong-un doesn't return their calls. (laughs) Or when Vladimir Putin isn't their best friend. Small ego, high self-esteem is like someone who works for Amnesty, like a good person that works for Amnesty, who's like, this is not about me doing anything. I don't need the credit or the glory, but I don't need you to keep propping me up. I can stay out here in this situation on my own and keep on fueling the fire. Small ego, low self-esteem is like a sad puppy. A sad puppy at the pound. There's no famous examples of this because you need a big ego to be famous unless it's imposed upon you like Prince Charles.
2: Yeah, I think it's a huge challenge like as a performer and that's the perspective that I'm trying to speak from because even calling yourself a performer, that takes a good amount of ego. Yeah. Like calling yourself a creative. That's you deciding that that's what you are and that's how you identify and it's just really interesting because I find myself like, checking my ego and I'm like, you have to believe in yourself enough to feel like you could come here and talk to a room of people, but at the same time, like, you don't want to be like a dick. And I feel like sometimes I'm like, just confident enough. Yeah. Like, you know, like, mm, we're convinced-ish. Let's see how it goes.
0: Yes, how I How am not supposed to
2: take over the world like that?
0: <laughs> I don't think you are supposed to take over the world, Kima. I think okay.
2: that's... Okay, my ego is all...
0: Yeah. I don't think the mission of show business or feminism should be to international take dictatorship. World
2: domination
0: is not... That's evil genius territory.
2: I really need to rethink so many goals. Put your hands together for your host, Deborah Frances White! <laughs>
0: So if I were to say right now, who would like to come up and have a go at stand-up comedy? How would you feel? Terrified. terrified? I've got a terrified. Any volunteers? No volunteers. There's 400 people in this room. Oh, we've got one here. Okay, who's that? LJ. LJ. Now, people around LJ are so happy. Um, and LJ, did you volunteer yourself? Sometimes there is a tendency to volunteer somebody, someone will go, Gareth, and then someone else will go, yes, we can throw Gareth to the fire. (laughs) And the other people in the tribe start going, Gareth, 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 throw Gareth to the fire, to the fire, and they will not stop until Gareth has been burnt. (laughs) And in every room of 400, you'll get one LJ. Now, LJ, can I ask you, have you any evidence that you're good at sign-up comedy? Are you one of those people that just likes to volunteer for things? Not normally. What has drawn you? You would like to do stand-up comedy and you're thinking this could be a good opportunity. I feel like we should make that happen tonight. Brilliant. Okay, great. Okay. Um, but often there's one LJ. Often the LJ is American. Um, it's like, I'll have a go. Or everyone agrees that it should be Gareth until Gareth does it and they chant. Um, that's, that's the form And out of 400 people, that's a low hit rate, isn't it? To have one LJ, it's weird. But it's true no matter where I am, no matter where I go. There's only one type of people, there's only one group that I could fill this theater with. If I said, does anyone want to do any stand-up comedy, I would have almost everyone volunteering. Do you know who those people are? Not men, no. (laughs) Who else? Actors? No, not actors. Actors are terrified because they're like, I've taught at drama schools, they're like, every day is an opportunity to prove that I got in by accident. Um, They don't want to have goes at things like this. Anybody else? Children, it's children. Imagine now you're all seven, (laughs) and I say, hey, would anyone like to have a go at some stand-up comedy? Just show me, I promise I'll pick anyone, just show me what the children would do. So anyone want to do stand-up comedy? Exactly. Every single hand will go, oh, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. And I know this because I sometimes do comedy club for kids, which is a great place to take your kids if you have any. Um, and it's basically just regular comedians doing stand-up sets for kids that are sort of kid-friendly and sometimes kids doing comedy. It's brilliant. And if I, if sometimes I MC, I host it and I'll say, hey, anybody got a joke? And then children, all of the children, like pretty much all of the children all, 100% of the time will be like, I definitely have a great joke. Immediately. They don't think it through. <laughs> They don't go, I don't know if I got anything good enough that these other kids are gonna go for. They're just like, definitely, yes, me. And sometimes you pick them, and then it's clear they're not prepared. They go, ah, uh, and they have to have a quick consult with their mom to go, have I got a drink? I don't know, I, I wanna do it, and I just, can we go through my top three? Um, then they come out, and can I tell you, the child that I pick, when they come out onto stage, They don't act like an adult. An adult, if you bring an adult on stage, they do sort of all sorts of things with their body that says, this isn't gonna be very good. They basically go, I need to advertise your disappointment. They they go, oh, I really know it's gonna be terrible. A child doesn't do that. When children come out onto the stage, this is what happens. The kid will come out and go, it's finally my time. They look like they've won the lottery. This is it. This is the big moment I have been waiting for all my life, and I will not fuck it up. (laughs) And then they tell their joke, which, by the way, is always (laughs) plagiarised. They've read it from a book, or stolen it from their nan 100% of the time. So rare. Occasionally, you've got someone who's ad-libbed one, but the ad-libbed one's not that great. The other one's stolen, but the children do not care. They do not care. They just come out because they wanna have goes at stuff. That's what's fascinating. Adults are specialists. We already have worked out what we're good at and what we're bad at, and we only want goes at things we're good at. That's how we are. So uh, the only person who will volunteer to do karaoke sober (laughs) is someone who's a good singer, right? We only want goes at things we're good at. I've met like so many people who tell me they can't draw, but none of them were seven. I've never met a seven-year-old who can't draw. So, do you want to draw me a picture? I can't draw. Not good at drawing. I'm just poor, Evan. I'm Not. I would be embarrassed to show you the results. They're just like, you have paper and pencil there, and they have already drawn something on an official document but, like, what are you doing? And then, not only do they draw, but their ego at that point is so untarnished that they believe their art to be excellent (laughs) and insist that it goes on the refrigerator. (laughs) And that is who we all once were. We were once people who believed we could draw. How long has it been, guys, seriously, since you put your drawing on the fridge? (laughs) I'm gonna suggest we all go home tonight, we draw something, we put it on the fucking fridge. Do you know why? because I'm going to go out there on a limb and say you're better at drawing now than you were when you were four because your motor skills have improved
1: and the only
0: reasons that you don't put your drawings on the fridge can be one of two your drawing has got worse or your embarrassment threshold has gone up in other words your ego has said I no longer can manage my drawings being displayed and seen by others because of my embarrassment, because someone else might judge me. That's why you stopped. Isn't that sad? Do you remember? Like, now, if somebody said, could you act? Could you act out a scene in a role play? something?" You'd be like, oh, this is so embarrassing. Unless you're a professional actor, it's so embarrassing to do acting. But when you're a kid, you know how you used to say, oh, I'll be the policeman, you'll be the bad guy, go. And you would act out, you would role play scenarios for hours and nobody ever stopped and went I just don't think I'm a very good policeman I, just, I, I think I need to go aside and research my character Like nobody ever questioned their ability to improvise material We thought what we were doing was great Later we learned about police brutality and we could recontextualize a lot of it, but <laughs> At the time we were doing what we saw on the tv and that's what we were doing children's metric for success is different from ours children want lots of goes and that's how they know if they have been successful and honestly after a session if I used to do workshops for kids at one point on impro and stuff and kids would say to me afterwards I had four goes Jimmy only had three goes That's how they rate success. How many goes did I get? Children are not interested in the quality of any one go. That comes later. We, as grown-ups, want to sit in our seats, hold off, watch someone else do it, preferably Gareth, (laughs) assess from our seats whether we'd be any good at it, and if we think we would have a high chance of success, then and only then do we want a go. If we think we would not be successful, we would rather have no go at all. Isn't that awful? We don't want lots of goes. That's our ego. I think it's our education that's done this to us. I read a book and worked with a man called Keith Johnston, and he says it comes from our formal education when we were kids. Do you remember when you were a kid... And the teacher says, write an essay about what you're doing on the holidays and everyone else is writing. And maybe you don't write. Maybe you just sit there staring out the window thinking, what am I going to talk about next? But you're just relaxed and happy and looking out the window while everyone else is writing. What will happen? The teacher will shout at you and she'll say, you're not even trying. Because she would know if you were trying because trying looks like something. If you look worried and ill and not up to the job, you're still not writing, but you're crucially, you're trying So at some point in your childhood, you learnt to look like you were trying. And same as after you do things. As a kid, if you're washing up and you drop a plate and you break it and you go, well, never mind, everyone drops things from time to time, these things happen, and you clean it up in a relaxed and happy fashion, your parents will shout at you because that in our society is a bad attitude. A good attitude is to cry and feel worthless. And then your parents will say, never mind, darling, it was only a plate and clean it up for you. So we learn that really quickly. So we need to get back to lots of goes. Because if you are at a coconut shy at a fair, do you millennials still have these? I don't know. (laughs) It's like a video game, but it's real. And (laughs) if you came along and you went to a coconut shy and it said one go for a pound, and the next coconut shy said three goes for a pound, which would you go for? Three goes for a pound, obviously. One go for a pound, it's a rip-off. You know why. First time you throw the ball, you're just gathering data. You're just throwing it. And you suddenly go, oh, this ball is way lighter than I thought, and the cans were way further away, so you're miles off. Second go, you're a bit closer. Third go, you've got the best chance of getting it off. Unless you're like some men that I've been to fairgrounds with, on your 47th go, (laughs) you get it off, when you have now paid £112 for a teddy. (laughs) Because we're not going, unless I'm not no, I know I can do it, I know I can do it. Because that is the male ego. But of course, you're not going to go for one go for a pound. You're very unlikely to knock it off. But if it was a chance to have three goes at stand-up comedy or one go at stand-up comedy and you had to do one of those, which would you do? One go at stand-up comedy, obviously, because there's only one chance to embarrass yourself. (laughs) But you're only gathering data the first time you do stand-up comedy. The first time you organise a feminist book club or rally, the first time you write a blog, you're gathering data. And the second time and the third time and the fourth time and the fifth time, the first 500 times you do stand-up comedy, you're gathering data. So... I want you to think about it differently. This week, you're going to do something that you're not good at deliberately, something you're not a specialist in, something you know you're not good at, like you're not good at drawing, you're not good at karaoke, you're not good at organising other feminists, whatever it is that you think you're not good at. And I want you to do it with a view to having six goes. So if you're going to book in a stand-up comedy gig, you don't book in one, you book in six. Because the first five, you're gathering data, and you're not going to enjoy it till the sixth one. Okay, so can we have a guilty feminist pact? You're all going to do something like that. It doesn't have to be stand-up. It could be anything, it could be creative writing, okay. Can we make a pact? Yes. I don't, I feel like it was like 12 enthusiasts. <laughs> Everyone else was like, no, I'm already good at three things and I'll be doing those again on a loop. Not doing anything I'm not good at, that's horrifying. Okay, can we have a pact, one, two, three? Yes. yes. Okay, you gotta gather data. All right, so who wants to go stand up comedy now? <laughs> I promise I won't pick on you. Who wants to go to stand up comedy now? I saw you say yes. You're up. (laughs) Thank you very much.
3: (laughs) When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.
0: Today's first guest is a comedian who is an unseen part of Gein's Family Gift Shop and a heard but not seen part of the all-killer, no-filler podcast. Please welcome a truly wonderful comedian and excellent all-round woman slash feminist Kerry (laughs) Pritchard-McLean! Today's our second guest is a comedian, writer, and actor named as one of the top comics to see in Vogue, L, Time Out, The Times, The Independent, and The Guardian. Please welcome to the stage Lou Saunders! <laughs> Come take a Now, can I ask, is that is that Vogue, L, Time Out, The Times, The Independent, and The Guardian have all said you're one of the top comics to see? That's an no, impressive. No, I lied. One. No. <laughs> Of course they have. Why are you surprised? No, I'm just saying it's hard to get Vogue to come and you No,
4: Vogue, that, was Kath- that was Catherine Ryan in Vogue. Ah, I was going to say, I Vogue has never
0: once come to review my comedy set, Still. and now I'm a little upset, and I'm like, dear Vogue.
4: Just get Catherine to do it. Okay, oh, that's noted,
0: that's noted. All right, so how are you?
4: Very well, thank you. Okay,
0: how's your ego?
4: Oh, I don't have one, because I've got two crystals up my foof right now.
0: <laughs> have you? Um, because I, I know Lou know. really does do crystals <laughs> I do so but, I, it's not beyond <laughs> the realm of possibility
4: um, I have put rescue remedy on it once when I thought I had an STD <laughs>
0: <laughs> noted but, noted. Uh, but no, good no, no. news I
4: did have an STD and, um, no, I've not got any crystals up there. Kiri, Six. how's your ego? Great. <laughs> but really thriving. Good, yeah.
0: Mm. I got so excited when Kiri came into the dressing room because she had Beyonce at Coachella cut-offs on. You know what I'm talking about. Exactly. <laughs> and I feel that, okay, Beyonce did a lot for black women and mm. doing Coachella, sure. Her She's
2: like female Martin Luther King. Sure. She's like Beyonce Luther King. But yeah. Rosa
5: Parks is like <laughs>
4: fucking <wild."> <laughs> 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 I <really laughs> thought I had that one in get the back. Yeah, she's yeah. she song Rosa. The secret <laughs> to
2: civil rights is music and yeah. dance. Yeah. And is that's it, why it? she's been able to go further than any other civil rights feel, leader feel, in feel, the history
0: of rights. I thought there's gonna be a controversial opinion that Twitter is gonna like take I don't you think on so. For. I don't see how
2: anyone could have a problem with what I yeah. just said. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: made sense. I f- it was factual. I feel as much as what Beyonce did for black women at Coachella and women everywhere, she did for women to be able to wear cutoffs who wouldn't normally wear cutoffs. Because I wouldn't there. normally wear cutoffs, but I was like, I'm intrigued. Yeah. And then you walked in them and I was like Fuck yeah, I'm doing the cut-offs. Oh, and footnote, whose cut-offs are they?
5: Uh, My ex-boyfriends. Yeah, Hmm. I will keep the cut-offs in the divorce. Hmm. (laughs) Um, Hmm. And uh, they're so bad. Uh, I feel like I've really reclaimed this from everything because if I flip over the thing, you'll see. um, It says... uh,
0: George Buster, not just George Buster, boot cut. <laughs> wow! Yeah, you cut those boot cuts off. Yeah, mm-hmm. They are cut now. Booty, booty cut. cut. <laughs> booty, booty cuts cut. are made for walking oh. That's a relationship. You should be in branding, because Kima immediately came up with booty cuts. Yeah, oh, nice.
2: it's, where you,
0: it's where you call it. <laughs> it's great. Kiri, how do you feel about ego? Are you ego-driven? Do you think it gets in the way of your feminism, or does it motor it, or both? I think it probably
5: motors it i've got a really huge yeah genuinely like massive ego and have done since i was really young in a very uncharming way but like genuinely i have i have the ego of like a privately educated serial killer it's unreal and i think that's what led me to stand up is because i when someone said oh you should do stand up i was like Okay. And like, (laughs) I'll do anything. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, I've just been waiting for someone to suggest it. And I remember as well, because I was really lucky, because normally when you do stand up, you die on your ass and you just have the worst gig. It's usually about second or third gig. And I remember I was like 10 gigs in and I hadn't died. And I remember someone saying to me, like, because I was quite good at the beginning quick and that it tailed off fast and I remember them saying like oh you're great how long have you been going and I was like oh I've done 10 gigs and they were like oh that's great and they were like oh what was your first death and I remember going "Uh, I don't do that (laughs) and I genuinely thought that was the thing that I didn't do because I am excellent through and through and that was the thing that other people chose to do because they wouldn't as good as me. Uh. <laughs> and then when I died, oh boy. Uh. <laughs> That's like when the disconnect between your ego and reality is uh. sometimes real tough to take. And you are staring at the train tracks in Preston going, I could just throw myself on here. And, uh. you but know, then someone
2: would have to clean that up.
5: I know, yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't famous enough for it to make chortle, so it wasn't an issue. So I was like, I really, really struggled with it. But I know it's uncharming, but I've always been like really confident and totally driven by ego like what do I want to do I'm just going to go and do that and I it's probably been bullish and not very nice to the people around me but I'm totally kind of driven by just what I want to do and I know it's not a very nice trait but yeah that is what I'm like I can't even do the thing you know in job interviews where they go and what would you say your weakness are weak <laughs> like, yeah completely silent I'm like um no thank you like it's not <laughs> And then I got to the point where I knew you had to say that, so I remember once they were like, and what were your weaknesses? I remember panicking and saying, ankles, and that's not what they're after. And they're they're fucking brilliant, so I don't know what I'm on about. Did did you get the job? (laughs) Yes, I got the job, mate. Of course I fucking got the job. (laughs) Because ankles. Because they assumed that I was joking, and I was like, oh, no.
0: (laughs) But if you are a man with a big ego, I think often you're perceived as, he doesn't suffer fools. But if it's a woman with a big ego, my God, people are like hateful about that person and call her a ball breaker and a bitch and scheme against her. We do perceive a big ego on a man differently because there's no female James Bond character that people will queue around the block to see. We love watching a man with a big ego, actually, collectively. Men go and sit and go, yeah, I wish I could jump off a bridge into the arms of a beautiful woman and then swim over some crocodiles And have everyone go, oh, you're so cool. And then, you know, like, not even have got your dinner jacket dirty. And if a woman did that, people would be sneery. They'd be like, well, she's just perfect. I can't live up to her. She's
2: done too much today. Why is she jumping? And then into a man's arms?
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think they would go, oh, she just intimidates me because she does all that. And she's mother of three. Because oh, yeah. James Bond woman would be mother of three. Yeah. <laughs> you, and be like, how does she do it all? That's the, what James Bond <laughs> yeah, would be asked in as interviews. a woman. How do you keep it all together?
2: <laughs> like, have you heard people uh, weaponize ambition? They'll be like, oh,
0: that's very ambitious.
1: Mm. And it's
2: like, why are you trying to chip away at my ego? Like, mm. I'm trying to do a thing here. And you're looking at me and saying it's ambitious. Like,
0: that's a bad word. Well, in Britain, Kima, that's very ambitious means you're not good enough to do that. Yeah. That's what we say. Who, we won't say who that. Who gets to say that no, outside what, of me? But what they're Nobody talking should. about is yeah.
4: they want to do it and they don't feel that they're good enough. That's
2: the it's
0: thing very ambitious. It, I think. Yeah. But you've just been at college here, haven't you? Mm-hmm. That yeah, and I'm vicious. imagining
2: have you just said uh, that to me. Yeah, I was doing a program where I was going to tackle the racism in Europe and they were like, it's ambitious, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It was like an exploration of identity and basically I was in France and it was a documentary and I was letting the people, the contributors, bring things to me. And one of those things was like police brutality and it was just... Covered for a second and it was ambitious. Yeah.
0: And it was ambitious. And that's actually a useful use of the word ambitious mm. as long as it's. It's ambitious so you're going to need to be really prepared yeah, to do this. Yeah, get in there.
4: But it's kind of
2: like, mm, it's ambitious.
4: But yeah. did they look you up and down when they said it. Mm,
2: it's ambitious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was very British, just that yeah. word. Yeah. It's it ambitious a... and that yeah, cuz it can really be code for it's out of your league. Yeah. And in that case, I think yeah. you should never let anyone tell you that. If they're saying it's ambitious so you need to be prepared or I'm yeah. going to It give was you the some lame one, Deb. It was the lame one. It was, was the, the lame, it lame one. It was the lame British code for you can't do this. Mm. Lou, how do you feel about ego? What's your relationship to it as a woman, as a human, as a feminist? Now, what is ego? (laughs) How would
4: you... I I, I see it as a different thing. I see it slightly differently, um, but I could be wrong because I haven't Googled it. (laughs) But I see it as a separation of yourself. So I see it as not a confidence thing necessarily, but a separation of yourself from... So if I was very egoic, (laughs) imagine... Um, and then you'd be comparing yourself to other people to try and be better than... But it can be worse than as well. Like, if you see someone, you'll be like, oh, I'm, like, richer than them or younger than them all these, like, labels that we enjoy. whatever. So that's how I see it, is, like, separation from the group. Which, when people have arguments with people and they're not trying to do something for their collective consciousness they're not they're being like no you used the wrong word da, 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 and they really get someone i think that's their ego and it stops a good discussion happening because they're putting themselves before
0: the actual cause how much do you think you need ego to be a feminist and to change things in the world that's so what's crazy. the difference
4: between ambition so if you were ambitious and confident then could you not be egoic
0: I don't know the word egoic. I think you've made it up, Lou. Ah, so have I made know. that up? Yeah. It yeah. sounds like a
4: What in Iceland. ego-driven. Do you know what I'm thinking? You've booked the wrong guest here. <laughs> no.
0: Never, Lou. Your, your, your. My ego's on the floor. Your it, lateral thinking is, isn't is isn't exactly it, what we need it, right it, now. It, 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 do, you do you know, it, know where like, I got that word? In like terms where, of like mm. psychology,
5: like id and super ego and ego. T- I thought it was egoic behaviour, no?
0: I... Egotistical. Ooh.
4: That'll do. Oi, who's editing this? Tom? Slip it in, mate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Crikey. That's
4: his new message
0: tone, <laughs> isn't it? Yep. When, uh, when you say to my husband, slip it in, mate. mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not that my ego is in any way dented by that, <laughs> but in another very real way. It gets excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Hello, Guilty Feminists. It's Deborah Francis-White, briefly interrupting your podcast listening to let you know we have an emergency. The Women and Children's Refugee Centre warehouse in Calais burnt down all their necessary supplies, tampons, sanitary napkins, shampoo, children's nappies, everything went... So they really need help. Please go to helprefugees.org and you can find out there what to donate, how to donate, just donate cash at £1, £5 or there'll be a drop-off point near you where you can take clothes, things you've got around the house, all of those things that you've got in your bathroom cabinet that you haven't used that could be really, really useful right now. So please go to helprefugees.org and find out how you can help. You're always the best, best, best listeners and you really come through on these things. Thank you so much in anticipation of your help. There is an amazing art exhibition coming up in Berlin. It's about refugees, the children of refugees, and their incredible art skills and their stories. If you could help crowdfund it, and if you would like to go to it, just Google Passengers of a Kaleidoscopic Journey and find their Indiegogo. It's really going to be worthwhile, and you're going to love the exhibition. If you're in Berlin, especially, get behind it and support it. Many of you will remember... Millie Thomas coming on the podcast, one where Felicity Ward and I were talking about mental health. And Millie came on and talked about her play, Dust, which is about the incredibly difficult and sensitive issue of suicide. And Millie deals with this topic in the most extraordinary way. I saw the play after that. I was blown away. It has so much heart, so much extraordinary comedy, actually and also so much hope and life and understanding and empathy. If you can get a chance to see the show, it's at Trafalgar Studios from the 4th of September, right up until the 13th of October. I really recommend you go. It's a one-woman show. She wrote it herself. She performs it herself. It's a really feminist piece of work. And I do think it's actually remarkable. If you can get to London or you're in London, please go and see it if you possibly can. Check it out. Millie Thomas in Dust. You will not regret it. My film that I wrote has been accepted into the Liverpool Film Festival, which we're very excited about. It's a screwball comedy, sort of like a rom-com about a mismatched couple who are on a one night stand gone wrong. With a very, very powerful, dynamic female lead, the Liverpool Film Festival is on the 12th to the 14th of October and tickets will be available soon. But if you would like to see Say My Name in a cinema near you, please hashtag Say My Name movie, hashtag where you live and say you would like to see it. Also, I have a television pilot with Channel 4, which we're hoping to make into a series. It's called Next Week's News. And if you would like to see that at Channel 4 and hashtag Next Week's News and ask them when the series is going to be on, if you would like to see it, it's a late night satirical topical news show where we're saying, hey, if we don't like this week's news, let's try and change it in time for next week's news. And I am hosting that and we have wonderfully all-female writer's room. Finally, my book is out. I'm very excited. It's a deep dive into some of the topics we've been able to talk about in a more conversational and cursory way on the podcast. I had to really rethink my ideas on feminism and guilty feminism to write it and do a lot of research, and I hope you enjoy reading it as much as I enjoyed writing it. The audio book is also out if you prefer listening because you're a podcast listener. So please find all the details of that on guiltyfeminist.com or Waterstones. Please check out the book if you get a chance. Thank you so much for your support. As always, you really are the best listeners in the world. And also, before you email and tell me, we know egoic is a word. Lou Sanders was right. Back to the podcast. general, fabulous, guilty-fabulous, woo noises for the wonderful Kimo
2: Amazing! Hi, hi, hi! Hi! You guys are great, you guys are great. So we're talking about ego today, which is weird. Like, I used to think that I wanted an ego death. That's not a thing, you guys. Uh, You can only accomplish uh, ego death when you're super high on psychedelics. It's the only time you can do it because you literally forget who you are and you just become one with everything around you. That's ego death. I'm still interested. (laughs) But what do I do when I'm sober? You know what I mean? Because I'm 24. And uh, my sense of self, my ego, I feel is pretty fragile. I don't know who I are or what I want. And when when I try to have goals, I don't know if I can do them. Like, as a comic, you have to be, like, confident enough to, like, leave your home and, like, stand here, but then not so confident that you disgust other people. (laughs) So I'm always checking myself. I'm like, am I humble? And then I think about how self-doubty I am, and I'm like, yeah, I think you're just confident enough. You're making it. So I seek out positivity. Like, me and my flatmate... We both know that each one of us needs that external validation. So we do it to each other. We're basically just sitting around the house, circle jerking, sucking each other's dicks, being like, your hair is so beautiful. <laughs> your eyeliner is amazing. And girl, did you take a shower today? <laughs> she took a shower today. <laughs> Look at my friend accomplishing stuff. It's amazing. I love having that support right in my home so cool to have someone to celebrate the fact that you know what hygiene is today <laughs> and I seek confident partners like when I'm out I like to think it's because like I want to be like strong, confident and so I'm like yeah I'm going to find that person, that person with that energy, that gorgeous being that knows where they're going in life meanwhile that person doesn't exist <laughs> um, but I'm out and I'm seeking, I'm seeking this energy but I just end up in relationships with like narcissists? Like, that's what the confidence is. It's like a black hole of confidence. It just, and then you get sucked into it. And next thing you know, I'm like held captive as they break down the lyrics to all the songs on their EP. <laughs> I don't wanna know the lyrical analysis of everything on your EP. <laughs> very confusing i'm just standing there and i don't even realize i'm listening to shit about an ep because i'm like so captivated by their gorgeousness and their confidence and they're like yes i did write that song with my toes and i'm like fuck you're gorgeous this is amazing it's not doing a lot for me i wrote i wrote a word on my hand and i'm reading it and it's uh it's uh, it says BW Mirror. Do you guys know what this is? I'll tell you what it is. It's about the ego and being a queer woman and why I tend to lean towards black women. Like I just assume that dating another black woman is gonna be awesome. Cause like, I'm awesome.
1: <laughs> and if I'm
2: awesome, and she's a black woman, Like she's gonna be awesome too. This is gonna be seamless, this is gonna be beautiful. And that's not the case, you guys. I think I'm not great uh, with that, with that romance department, because I think I tend to put women, especially black women, on a pedestal, which is not fair, because women aren't gods. Women are people. And uh, in my humble opinion, based off of what I can see, you know, through the lens of my ego, All people are giant pieces of shit. (laughs) Yeah, uh, enjoy the show.
0: to the audience and say do you have any ego stories or in fact any other ways that you personally define ego
4: well one man's um, got his sunglasses on in an indoor venue and i'd like to ask him
2: <laughs> is that man with sunglasses it, on his on head? head mate? yeah, yeah, yeah but he's yeah. a lovely
4: man he's a lovely man how do you know I'm very good on energy, as we know. Mm.
0: It's the crystals. Yeah, you do. You have got a good Good read. energy radar. Mm. Yeah, Mm. Okay. Has anybody here got a story about ego? Yes, there's somebody up there. I can see somebody up there. Uh,
4: So this is a story where I think ego has helped. Uh, So when I was about 14, I was doing my GCSEs, and my physics teacher at the time told me, women don't have the brain that can handle physics. Who can't think on that level? Uh, so ten years later, I'm here at Southampton Uni doing my PhD.
0: Yes. 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 <laughs> What's your name? Um, do I have to? I don't want to get anyone in trouble.
4: It, no, not at
0: no. all. Not at all. But I just, I just
4: wanted as a woman to also, be. Also, it did take you ten years,
0: mate,
4: didn't it? Yeah. A little slow, yeah. <laughs> They take ages, they take ages,
0: you don't go from GCSE to PhD in a year. I'm kidding. So you will soon be doctor? (laughs) I've only just started in September, so. Oh, amazing. So in 12 years, you'll be a doctor. (laughs) Yeah, excellent,
1: excellent. Well done. Yeah, well done. Your ego was stronger
0: than patriarchal forces. What else have we got? Anybody else? So I decided
5: I was good enough to do a 600-mile sailing race double-handed on my parents' boat with just my dad instead of a full crew of seven people. Wow. <laughs> wow. How did that work? Uh, we... Dad's <laughs> dead. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I don't say
1: <see> that. <laughs> Floating down on his body.
6: <laughs> no, we did a watch system, so four hours on, four hours
5: off during the night and six hours on, six hours off during the day. How long was it for? Uh, It took us six and a half days to complete it.
0: And you got it done? Yes. I mean, spoiler—you're here, so. Yes, I'm here. We were the second to last boat in, but
6: we got it done. And you
0: did it when everyone else had a full crew, and you just had two of you.
5: Well, a number of boats do it double-handed, but we decided rather than taking six people on our boat, we'd only do it with two of us. Save
4: a bit of money on sandwiches, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that does help. Good on you. Well done.
0: Thank you else got an ego story I've got a story when ego hasn't helped great we love one yes please yeah there's too many high achievers go on
4: I was at school
0: and I was a feminist in a small-minded school and I decided to grow all my armpit hair out and all my pupe hair out and put it all over Instagram and (laughs) the boys a few years below decided to throw rocks at me and my friend yeah And we got hit.
1: Oh,
2: <laughs> on the that head. is really not your wrong. failing. So, yeah. And the punchline <laughs> is
0: the school didn't do anything. Oh my god. Well, that's not a story about your ego going wrong. That's your story about somebody else's ego being too high. Too and, offended by my ego. And the ego of the school not confidence. kicking in and saying we won't allow this behaviour. Wow. Okay. I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> no, it's fine. What did you do after that's that? Not Just carried on
2: combing my bush. <laughs>
0: then your ego won
6: Mm -hmm. your ego won anybody else one down here um i'm not sure whether this is is kind of ego being good and bad so i worked for someone for two years and they were really misogynistic really rude took credit for all my work overworked me asked for work at the last minute really like really horrible and then i basically my ego was really really low so i didn't Stan, um, I kept taking it and was like, oh, it's okay, it's experience and stuff. And then one day I had enough. So I was like, right, we need to meet up. So we met up and I said, I'm quitting. This is, this is what's happening. And they were like, oh, but you are really, really good. You are really great. You should you know, stay with me. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go back. I'm, I'm going to be strong. And then but when I went to leave, they basically stood up and did that thing. Like, they kind of forced you to hug them and they kiss you on the cheek. And it's like, oh, yeah. go away, Whatever. And then they were like, look, we, I really need you, you're brilliant. And then my ego kind of just in, was inflated by them like, grovelling and was like, well, if you need me so bad, you can always get on your knees and beg. Oh! <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. So, so a 21-year-old woman saying that to like, a, a middle-aged white man who you know, who's on double digits, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's good, but ooh, I may pay for it in the morning. <laughs> Do people Did people think he, he was giving you a marriage proposal? <laughs> Wait, did he break? Did he get down on his knees and beg you? No, he kind of like at, like looked at me and was a bit like what? And I kind of I kept walking out. I was like, no, I'm not going to look back. I'm going to just going to keep going. And I was wearing my thigh high black boots as well. Yeah. I, I went into battle that day. Yeah, it yes. was wow. a movie moment. Yeah, yeah. like in Pretty Woman, big mistake. It was that one,
1: <laughs> it? Yes. Yes.
0: huge. Yes. Or like yeah, when Bridget Jones does the sort of you know, and you don't need me because I'm just the Girl in the see through top who fannies about with press releases, and everyone yeah. she walks out and everyone's like, Burn! Um, yeah. Yeah.
5: Is that what happened in the office? Well, people are going, Holy fucking shit, did you hear that? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what everyone was talking about for like months after you oh, absolutely smashed
6: no, it. I kind of got the name of being difficult. Oh, you got the name of being difficult. So it oh, really of being
0: difficult. It's yeah, it's um, not that difficult for a woman to get the name no, of being difficult, though. No. She doesn't have to do much. She has to, literally in this case, not put up with all of the shit. And it's like, she didn't put up with all of the shit. She's difficult. And the thing is, early on you did. If on the first day you don't put up with the shit, you could be someone who stands up for herself. If you put up with the shit for six months and then you say, enough shit, then it's like, oh my God. Lou. Do you have any times in your life when your ego has kicked in i did once think this man really fancied
4: me and then he was gay and i was like oh right, that's weird
0: um when i say once it happens a lot <laughs>
2: <laughs> i but have like someone that i fancied and then they didn't fancy me and then i was like i called it and i had to wait until we all graduated from high school but let's just say there are three of them i have a crush on you and they're like not into it and i was like, mm. And then, yeah, now we're all out, so. <laughs> I have the other way around. It
5: was uh, guys who have since come out who used to fancy mm. me in school. Mm. Something about me says,
0: wife to a gay guy. <laughs> I also you. have a beard quality. Do you? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Gay <laughs> men, I think, look at me and go, you'd be fun. What they're thinking <laughs> is, I can be the Karen to their Jack. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think it's strong woman, big knockers.
4: And mm-hmm. Kiri, you do wear a lot of sequins I wear as well. a lot of sequins. I once,
0: my best gay friends, I referred to myself as their Grace, and they were like, mm. and I was like, what, what are you saying? I'm not your Grace, as in Will and Grace. And they were like, they just were like, sure. And I was like, you think I'm Karen, don't you? And they were like... No, no, we never... Yes, you're Karen. I was so oh, upset. Wow. I genuinely cried a bit. I was so upset. I was like, no, I'm Grace. I'm fun, I'm cool. They were like, no. Mm-mm. I'm like, Karen stands at a window and shouts at people who wear Palazzo pants. Strangers. <laughs> she's like, hey, hey, hey. And I'm like, I love her, the performance. And I love that actress. Don't get me wrong. I just don't want to be her in real life because she's grotesque. But then really you were. But I was like... <laughs> But I but am I? Am I Karen? Surely
4: oh, I'm not. not. So. I don't think I think I'm no. I i do not think you're Karen, but bear in mind I've never seen Will and Grace. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking help, Lou. <laughs> also, you're talking about ego. Oh, my God, that picture that I showed you before we came out here. Yeah. That was horrible. That was ego. Someone oh, drew, oh someone <laughs> <a> fan <laughs> pic. It was a fan pic. It, was, fan it art. was like this guy who did a favour for me. So he said, oh, can I draw you? Like He was drawing comedians. And I said, like, oh, yeah, this would be nice. I, I, to be fair, I didn't send him the best picture. The one I got back, though, I look about 60 years old, don't I? I'm <laughs> very stand. angry. And
0: if you're listening at home, Lou is 75. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> We have a microphone in the audience. Some poor person has been waiting for all this time. (laughs) Ah I have a time where ego has made me look like a real dick. And it's funny because I was just talking to my friend about it before we came in. But I saw once that I was getting all these missed calls from an ex-boyfriend. And I was like... He messaged, he was like, can we talk? I really need to talk. I was like, mate, look, I've been... (laughs) With my new boyfriend for a while now, so that, that won't go well. And then I was just, I had a look on his Facebook and there was a status that was like, what is the point in living? <laughs> <What's this? laughs> and, and I was, it was, it said something along the lines of like, what is the point in life? Oh, and no. I was like, well, <laughs> they, all, they all know what they're missing, <laughs> right? And then I realised it was the first anniversary of when his dad had died. Wow. Oh. Oh. you were trying Sorry, really to stick up for yourself <laughs> so you thought it was about the breakup and really he was grieving you thought he was grieving you but he was grieving a death in the family you thought your love was so large and you were so irreplaceable you were the death of a loved one <laughs> Yeah.
4: <laughs> you're
0: not a dick you're hilarious I kind well, of sounds love great I kind of love you.
4: It probably didn't help that you broke his heart, though.
0: <laughs> it probably <laughs> is like killed his death. death is a really bad day. So in general, what can we use our ego for as women, as individuals, and for feminism? What can we use our ego for positively? What commitments are we going to make, gang? You were saying uh, ego is necessary for feminism, mm-hmm. um, which is so
2: true because you have to kind of realize that you are this being and this being that deserves to do stuff freely and to be protected and to have rights etc and so i think if we all just like hone in and get our ego into a healthy place where we respect ourselves and value ourselves you know then we can respect and value others we can make effective change and slip it
0: in and slip it in (laughs) baby (laughs) slip it in mate kiri what are your goals for the future what do you want Oh, uh, uh, this, I, I don't want this to turn into a life coaching session, but I'm kind of fascinated. I mean, what do I
5: really want yeah. is uh, rescue chickens and a humane beehive, but that's not really the question, is it? <laughs> um, I guess equality. Uh,
0: <laughs> rescue chickens and a humane beehive. Um, Are you also a vegan? Is every comedian a vegan now except sorry, me? Sorry,
4: I'm also a vegan. vegan. You're a vegan. And we've only just mentioned it. I know. LAUGHTER
0: <I agree, so. laughs> What's a humane beehive? You don't um, take the honey.
4: It, we, no, you take the honey, mate.
5: Obviously. Uh, but, well, I don't know. I put the word humane in there because I think it sounds cute.
0: I thought vegans <laughs> weren't meant to have honey.
5: <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. We're not really. Uh, but you know, so uh, what they do is they smoke them out, and they stress them out, and they snap the honeycombs, and some of them die. But what they do is they have a, like a synthetic honeycomb like that, and then the bees fill in this bit. They sick up all the honey there, and then you just turn a tap, and it goes like that, and all the honey runs out, and it doesn't oh, kill any of them or anything like that. And oh. that's one of your life goals. Yeah. So I'm now. I wish it was higher. I really <laughs> wish it was higher. So,
0: you want that and equality? But no, that is equality in a way because it's a quali- species equality mm. is important. Mm. And Do you
5: want an s- earnest answer? I,
0: I'm happy to have any answer. Uh, I, uh,
5: <laughs> I genuinely think that I have a responsibility to the world when it comes to being a feminist and that's all encompassing so i think i have a responsibility to in particular the one i put myself which is social mobility mm. so my plan is to go back to where i'm from which is not a very affluent area and invest in that whether that's my time or expertise or finances in mobilizing young people there to do something with their lives and that's sort of the beehive does tie into that i promise <laughs> <laughs> so it's sort of like a, this is a f- human
0: humane beehive
1: mm. yeah uh,
5: no oh yeah i'm not gonna make children work in a beehive just to be
0: <laughs> sure you're just gonna milk off the honey teach children to make honey and then it's listen none of them are gonna die because i'm gonna have a tap
5: <laughs> yeah i didn't make it clear the honeycombs are huge and there's a child vomiting inside it that is what i really meant that's why it's much better for the bees <laughs> so upsetting. but yeah and i want to i want to uh, uh, adopt uh, children because I, I believe in in that as a as a
0: I'm adopted, (laughs) and I would happily be adopted again. Really? Oh Oh my god, let's do
5: it! Like, um, uh, who who did that as an adult? There was someone
0: I've sort of done that with Steve, who's in my spare room. I've (laughs) talked about him on the podcast before. He's Syrian, and his family are in Turkey because they're also refugees. And he, we are so close now, and he's so lovely. And I do find, although I'm not in any way patronizingly saying I'm parenting a grown man, people who are not parents, I think you find ways to nurture, if you are someone who's nurturing, Mm -hmm. and you find ways to love and cosset.
4: Are you, are you breastfeeding him? (laughs) Oh God, Uh, uh, don't uh, make me edit the whole thing out, no. (laughs) He's 25. Yeah, never too old to pop on the teeth.
5: (laughs) Come on Steve, latch on. I know you've been through a lot, but come on.
4: I'm I'm actually gonna give you a serious, bit now. I'm actually going to give it... I don't believe you, Lou. No, it's serious, but... (laughs) Fine.
0: If you do... Edit
4: it out, though, if it doesn't make sense. But ego, I think, is fear. You mentioned it on a train, Mm. didn't you? Like, I do... Yeah, fear is the opposite to love. And so, when your ego... No, that's not a word. When you're acting out of your ego, right, to me... That's acting out of fear. It's not real confidence. So talking about where you want to get and drive and everything, you can do that with confidence and ambition and drive and backing yourself. But I think that's different to ego, which gets in the way because the ego drags us down. So if you have a bad gig and you're like, "Oh shit, like I'm the worst," da da, da that's your ego. If you have a great gig and you buy into that, you know how the Greeks? <laughs> I'm, I'm veering off everywhere here. But you know how the Greeks <laughs> had a little green goblin on their, oh. their shoulder? So when they channel, if they like, say they did like some beautiful music or poetry whatever they're up to right they were like oh it wasn't me it was the little green monster goblin they oh. had a special name for it right so you externalise it yeah so when you take the ego out of so if I do a great gig I could be like you know the boxers are like oh it's not me it's Mohammed or whatever or like it's people like thank Jesus well it's,
0: it's not yourself if, okay. put it outside yourself that's sort of what I was saying before Lou when I was talking about having lots of goals oh am well, yes. I it like listen a listen as well <laughs> Hey. what do you want for the future? What's your ambition?
2: I would like to create, write, and star in sitcom stuff, funny things. I want to get paid to entertain as myself, you know. And so you know, you're being paid tonight. Yeah, it's cool. I'm doing a great job um, <laughs> of reaching my dreams. Yeah,
0: um, you're living in the yeah. dream right now. And
2: I'd love to. I'd love I to mean, sit behind the desk of a late night talk show like, the whatever James, you guys shipped your James 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 Corden? Yeah, give me your job, James.
0: You want James Corden's job? I would love it. it. Listen, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Corden, Jimmy Jimmy Jeffries. Yeah, it's
2: so dry, it's so dry. You have
0: a better chance if you're a white guy called Jimmy than than if you do, if you're any other category of human. I might change
2: my name, but I don't know what we're gonna do about all of
0: this. I desperately want yeah. for that to happen and yeah. I will make it my life's mission. I want to keep doing what I'm doing, but every time I find something new, I then it's like another door opens and it's like suffragetten or working with refugees or whatever, and I'm getting to the point now where I have to do the things I'm already doing well and mm-hmm. try to stop opening new doors, and it's very difficult because mm. you open a new door, you meet a new person, you find a new thing, and then you want to run down that path. So I think my thing is do four things incredibly well.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. And There's so much inspiration and you have access and you know, like, people that can make things happen. So I feel like it would be hard to not try to actualize all the cool things that pop into your Deborah Francis head.
0: <laughs> so we have a startup up comedian for you uh, from the audience. She accidentally volunteered to do stand-up. Are you ready for, let's be clear, the next Beyonce meets Victoria Wood? I think that's where we're going. Uh, right. Put your hands together and make enormous woo noises for LJ! It's
7: so bright up here. So, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, as you've heard, my name's LJ. It's short for Laura Jane. Please, if you have children... Do not give them double-barrelled names that require explanation, it's just the worst thing (laughs) in the world. So, yeah, thanks, Mum. As Deborah said before, no, I'm not a plant, Um, and if I was, I'd be quite scared, because there's a lot of vegans in the front row. (laughs) So, So, I have to say, the image of a pig in a dog suit, was I the only one just thinking, hot dog? So, uh, if I could tell you about myself, I'm 40 years old, so truly middle-aged now, which unfortunately is the time when your age starts to show around your middle. <laughs> That's my chocolate food baby, right there. <laughs> Though I have to say, I am a feminist, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, You can probably tell I'm middle-aged because I don't use an iPad, I use pen and paper, hashtag old school. So, what the fuck am I doing here? That is what is going through my head right now. Um, Well, basically, I kind of thought everyone else was going to put their hands up, so cheers guys, you let me down totally there. But actually, thinking about it, this is totally me. I do have a slight group on addiction, and I've found myself running 5 kilometers in the middle of winter going what the hell is going on here why am i here <laughs> i mean the 5k was just insane cuz i just i don't run i really don't run so the next thing i then obviously took up was orienteering and i don't map read either i have no <laughs> sense of direction so you can imagine how well that goes My only thing is, I mustn't be last, but thankfully, orienteering is the sport where it's quite inclusive, actually. All ages, any age from 5 to 50 to, I think, some of them are about 105. So, as long as you can knock one of them out the way, it's job done. (laughs) And that's me done. You've been amazing. Thank you so much.
0: you enjoy that well done I'll stand-up comedy for the first time oh that's your notebook oh okay yeah yeah what was it like doing stand up for the first time who used to just talk into that mic
7: yeah it's insane I think I'm gonna wake up shortly
0: yeah <laughs> do you feel good though?
7: Yeah amazing yeah will yeah,
0: amazing. you do it again?
7: Yeah totally can you yeah. let us know when you're
0: doing it again because I feel if you do it locally in Southampton, people will come and see you. And they'll be like, oh, is LJ on tonight? LJ is on tonight. And they'll be supporting you. So you just put LJ, hashtag comedian, hashtag guilty feminist, and we'll sort of follow your progress cool. until mm-hmm. you eventually are a guest on the show. See you in a everywhere. creepy
2: amount. They'll follow your progress a creepy amount.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Like, Sister stalking. Her. I like that. Yeah, I don't mean stalking you, but sort of I do. We see you. <laughs> Applause for, for LJ! Yeah.
2: What a badass. I mean, she's made us all look like cunts, really, hasn't Yeah, not yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: And I say that in a feminist way. Yeah, of course, of course.
2: Uh, yeah, I feel like a twat, personally. I, I in the most
0: feminist way. I feel as good about myself. Before and after I saw LJ, I just think she is awesome. She's great. Yeah, no, she's she didn't chip away at my oh. self-esteem. Oh.
2: And she didn't
4: use the line I gave her, which is, tell them that your middle name's cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, she was right. She was absolutely right.
0: <laughs> she, she said head millennials head head. don't know who LJ cool is. LL cool, LL cool J. J. I mean, oh, sorry. It doesn't L- even
4: work. <laughs> know, <it>
0: doesn't. <laughs> that's why she didn't do it. Yeah, that's no, why yeah. I'm about it. I just realised it's not LJ Cool. Yeah, sure. LL Cool J. Um, oh,
4: that's why it doesn't work. Yeah, you got it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> Great judgment, LJ.
0: <laughs> Kiri, do you have anything to plug?
4: I'm going to the Edinburgh
5: Fringe Festival.
0: So, what's your show?
5: It's called Victim Complex.
0: Oh, um, that would be good for thinking about egoness. Y- yes. Ego, Egoosity.
5: Yeah, actually, it's about for the first time ever when my self-esteem didn't match up to my ego and how difficult I found that.
0: Wow. Fantastic. We can't wait to see that. And that will be on tour maybe afterwards?
5: Yes, and then I'll be going on tour with it afterwards. Brilliant. Yeah. So catch it at the Edinburgh Festival
0: in August or on tour afterwards. Check that out. And how can we follow you, Kiri?
5: Act Kiri Pritchard MC on Twitter and then Kiri Pritchard McLean on Facebook
4: and stuff.
0: Super, super, super. Uh, Lou, what can you done? Anything to plug? I have a very big time on social media. Um,
4: <laughs> big time. I
0: mean, you can see that following Lou would be a hoot.
4: <laughs> a lot of fun following me. Just do, do all my own videos on Instagram. Anyway, then also I do a podcast called Why Is Your Bottom So Dirty? <laughs> I'm no so what? Very high end stuff. Um, <laughs> it's called what? Well, don't worry about the title. That's the worst thing. That's the worst thing about it. And then I'm also going to the Edinburgh Fringe Mm. with a show called Shame Pig, all about shame. Oh, so also sort of slightly about ego in a way. Yeah, it is actually, yeah. I'm actually talking about issues, if you can believe that.
0: Wow, (laughs) issues. Uh, Kima Bob, anything to plug?
2: Only issues. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I do different stuff. I do a radio show through a Transmission Roundhouse called Unstable and it's about like my journey with bipolar disorder and I'm talking to other creatives about mental health so that happens um, I host a monthly showcase of film of color comedians because like we get it Dan uh, and that's called Fuck It Up Comedy Club and you can find that on the internet if you know how to use it <laughs> um, Yeah, and you can find me at Kima's Voice on all social media yeah. Uh, and fuck
0: it up. Fuck it up comedy stands for Femmes of Colour, so it's F O C fuck it up yeah. comedy. And finally, LJ, anything to plug? You have a gigs coming up? So watch this place. You've got a Twitter account? At what? <laughs> what did she say? No idea. She said, I've
5: got no idea. Okay,
0: well tweet us and we'll retweet you for the first couple of gigs. Watch out for LJ's gigs. You have been listening to the Guilty Family! Lou Saunders and Gary McShipp McLean, recording engineer was Chris Sharp. Music was by Miles Harb. The producer was Tom Sedinsky for the sponsorship shop. Thanks to Tony, Hannah, PJ Live, and everyone that's not the as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit kelseyfaber.com. <laughs>
2: Hello, 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 Deb, and yep. people who I assume are beautiful, the lights are kind of drowning out those folks, but I assume that if I am to quantify your worth based off of looks, that you're worth so much.
0: Yeah, They look great. They're, they're more attractive than you're imagining.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's what all of this is about. It's not about entertainment, it's about who's turned on here.
0: It's not about that. That's...
2: Then I'm on the wrong show. You've
0: misunderstood the tone of the show, Kima. And even though you've done it before...